Hello, dental online trainers, and welcome to the Dental Online Training Sharecast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Hartlieb. Each month, I'll be talking with dental experts who are doing amazing work in the world of dentistry and talk about how they got there, where they are today, and their influences and their journey in the world of dentistry. And as a bonus, I'll occasionally throw in a few of my solo bonding sharecasts, where I share a little with you about what's going on in my practice and lessons that I have learned along the way during my career. So tune in every other week to hear our latest episode. Hey listeners, we had a little technical difficulty with the audio quality in this episode, but we still wanted to share this interview. If you have a hard time listening, be sure to check out the complete transcript linked in the show notes so you can read the valuable insight from Dr. Margis. With that being said, let's get into this week's interview. Hello, dental online trainers. It's Dr. Dennis Hartley back with another wonderful episode of our Sharecast with a dear, dear friend of mine, someone I've known for most of my professional career, uh, a great, great dentist, uh, Dr. Bob Margis. Bob is a graduate of the University of Iowa. He's a Hawkeye from, from 1986, I believe, and then he did a, a AEGD residency program afterwards. Bob is, if you don't know Bob, uh, it's time to crawl out of that rock that you're hiding underneath because Bob's everywhere. Um, he is, uh, he really is, I think, really the the face of our contemporary dentistry uh, for a good reason. Um, Bob's one of the hardest working people, individuals in dentistry that I've known over my career. The most humble person I can tell you that I've met over my career in dentistry over the 30 plus years. He has tons of accolades. He is a member of uh, the American Academy of Restorative Dentistry, the Academy of uh, American Academy of Aesthetic Dentistry. He is, uh, are you, I think, a fellow of the Operative Dentistry, a Master of Operative Dentistry. Um, and he is publisher for a number of journals that we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, but he he keeps his nose to the grindstone. He's an incredible practitioner, incredible lecturer, and just a dear, dear friend. So without further ado, Bob, Margis, welcome to our ShareCast. Thank you, Dennis. It's, you know, we're finally getting it done. You, We've been trying to get this done now, and we found some time to do it. And in honor of you, go Blue! There we go. So celebrating Michigan's national championship in football for all you Buckeyes out there, eat it. Um, and all you cheating scandal people, I don't want to hear about it. Uh, it was great. So if you're not a football fan, uh, you're just going to have to deal with me just gloating for a couple seconds here while just reveling in our wonderful victory over Washington Huskies just a couple nights ago. Uh, Bob, thank you for uh, supporting the Michigan. He's uh, his uh, stepson goes to the University of Michigan, and so he's uh, he's he's now drinking the maize and blue Kool Aid. So we're just glad to have you on the on the party bus. So being a Hawkeye all my life, you know, when when Nick started at at Ross, I decided, you know what, I'm going to have to be a blue fan. So I am maize well, and blue, maize and yeah, maize and blue. Yeah, there we go. So it's good to have you on board. Thank you so much. Thanks for the comments. Oh, and 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 100. Uh, uh, truth and from the heart. Uh, so I met Bob. So uh, many of you know that I uh, was partnered with Dr. Buddy Mopper, who uh, started Cosmonet decades ago. And Buddy and Cosmonet started a teaching center in downtown Chicago. And early on, when the teaching center was first built, I was down there 
taking a look at the teaching center and visiting and should walk this fellow who uh, was about my age, uh, my my years of experience, a little more bald than I was, uh, sort of a, <laughs> a, a listening head. Um, and then walks Bob Marges and in, introduces himself and was just so open and was just um, just so just generous with his his time and it was just so welcoming when I when I first met Bob. I don't know. Do you remember that day, Bob, when we met at Cosmodent? I sure do. Sure do remember it. Yeah, over twenty five years. It was twenty five years ago. It was twenty five years ago. Yeah, we were both young dentists back then. Remember that? Both learning from the master. We were both learning from the master. That's exactly right, Doctor Buddy Mopper. So, Bob, so uh, fill in the blanks. What did I not um, fill in with uh, your background? So University of Iowa for for dental school. Where did you go for your Mm -hmm. undergraduate? I went two years to Iowa State. I was a cyclone for a couple of years. Then I ended up going to Iowa for one. And I I was fortunate to be able to be accepted to Iowa after after three years. So my my freshman year counted as my my senior year so I could get done in, in seven versus eight. And so... That's how I decided to attend the University of Iowa. Yeah, I did the same. Looking back at it, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I think I missed out of you know. I still have a year of eligibility, and I'm trying to get on the Michigan team. So I don't know, but uh, it was. Uh, I think sometimes rushing through uh, undergrad. I mean, it was great. I was great. To, so grateful to get into to dental school. But looking back at it, uh, sometimes you got to think about what's a rush. Now, neither of your neither of your parents are dentists. You don't come from a family nope. of dentists. Um, so talk about your background. What's, uh, yeah. what your, what your parents do? And I want to know yeah. about why dentistry. Yeah, that's a great, uh, you know, my, my parents were in the restaurant business, you know, being Greek and all my, my grandfather came from Greece, opened up a Coney Island back in 1918. And my father and his brother, uh, worked in the shop, ended up opening a couple of their own restaurants. And, uh, I have a twin brother that went into business and, uh, want to do restaurant i saw how we're working from the time we were 12 till till about 18 and when i went off to college i knew that i just didn't want to be in the restaurant business it's a good business but you got to be there it's a hard business so the only thing i've done besides dentistry is restaurant work and uh restaurant work is i mean i loved it i love the service aspect of it but man it is hard hard work it really is and so i decided that i was going to do something different so i was a biology major at iowa state and after a couple of years, I, you know, I was thinking about medicine. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I, w- I, I didn't know for sure what, you know, career path I wanted, but I wanted to go in some, into the like health field section. And after two years at Iowa State, my, my roommate was was transferring to Iowa to go into medicine. I thought, well, maybe I should be at Iowa. It's, it's more of a, Iowa State's more engineering. So I went over there. And while I was over there, one of my other fraternity brothers was, was in dental school, started in dental school. And so he says, you ought to come over to dental school. I'd be a dentist. Do I know, well, these, do, this, do I know this uh, fraternity uh, brother of yours? I, I don't think you would know him. His name's Dennis Winter. Dennis Winter okay. is his name. And um, he was going to dental school and says, you ought to come over to the dental school. See, maybe you like this. So I went over there and I thought, wow, this is, this is kind of interesting. This is neat. And he said, well, they're the DAT you ought to sign up for the DAT. And, you know, I, I didn't know much about it. And so I had contacted, you know, the, the school and up the DAT and they said, well, you're a little bit late, but if you show up for the, for the, for the day of the uh, DAT, if someone doesn't show up, we'll, we'll let you take the test. 
<laughs> and so I showed up at that time and, and somebody didn't show up. A few people didn't show up. So I started taking the test. I took the test. I did okay. And that was the year that I was going to be in the Rose Bowl. And uh, it was December. Applications for early were due like December and they were picking the class, this and that. And I decided to drive out to the Rose Bowl. So I didn't even get my app in really. And when I got back from the Rose Bowl in January, I sent my application in, Dennis. All right. And 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 so I did waited. You, did you put on your application like, sorry, it's a little late. I was busy uh, busy watching the Hawkeyes <laughs> at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't say that, but I probably could have said that because I had an interview at the university. They gave me an interview, and unfortunately, uh, I was waitlisted, and and they said um, you're not accepted to class, but you're waitlisted, and because you're only a junior, in the summer, you're going to have to take to qualify to be admitted. If you get admitted, you've got to take physics physics lab. So I had to take like six hours, like in the summer, to 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 have the ability to be admitted. So now this is. I went to the I went to the administrator's office and said, "Hey, you know, um, I don't know if I really want to work that this summer if I don't have a chance of getting into dental school." And she says to me, her name was Janet Crow. She says to me, um, "I can't what number you are on the wait list, but my recommendation would be that you take summer school." And so <laughs> here I am taking summer school. And um, July comes around, August comes around. I had not heard. Well, school was wow. starting like August 23rd. Well, one started, Dennis, I get the letter. It says you're accepted to dental school. That's crazy. So had you signed it's, up then for classes for fall at uh, I had, at Iowa for, for your senior yeah, year? Yeah, I planned it on senior year taking classes. And... Um, all of a sudden, the letter comes to Sioux City, Iowa, where I was after some I got in. I guess I'm going to be a dentist. Dennis, I never grew up thinking I was going to be a dentist. And I will be honest with you. If I did not get in that year, I'd be out of a fight again. And I'm not even crazy. kidding you. It's... Yeah, because it wasn't like I desired to be a dentist. I really never grew up thinking I was going to be a dentist. I think it's so interesting. All these year casts, it's such a range of people. Uh, people like myself that knew they want to be a dentist when they were kids to people who in, you know, for whatever influence it was, it was someone that they knew, it was a friend, it was someone, some contact that said, hey, why don't you look at dentistry? And then next thing you know, they're, they become a dentist and they become a, one of our leaders in dentistry. It's uh, it's such a crazy, uh, you know, you hear Frank Spears' story of being dragged to the counselor's office and, um, you know, there's, it's just one after the next. I think it's so interesting how people end in dentistry. It is. And, and, you know, I just can't imagine my life not being a dentist right? and yeah. not growing up wanting to be a dentist. And I will tell you, Dennis, that um, was so cool and influential that when I, I was able to, to, to donate back to the school, I had, w was given money. They go, what do you want the money to go for? I said, I want it to go to the Janet Crow Radiology Center. And so this was the best. I gave the money. They they put the big plaque on, and I tell her, I said, because of you, I'm I'm a, I'm a dentist. Well, her mom was visiting her, 
and they walked around the saw that and her mom saw it because I don't think she had told her mother about it because she at that time was probably in her 60s her mom had to be 80s she goes by the room and her mom just like stopped and was like so happy and it it brought a a warm feeling to me when Janet wrote me a letter and told me the story about it made it awesome so nice it was really great no that's what it's all about that's so cool I bet your parents must have just so what was your reaction when you decided to become a dentist I I mean I command my parents were both sort of blue collar came from blue collar family and stuff like that and I think they were you know so so proud and uh you know very you know very you know just very proud of me going into the profession and stuff what what was it like for your folks yeah nobody nobody had gone into medical or, or dental profession everybody was um my sister was interior design. My other went into business, and nobody went into the family restaurant until my brother did. Um, and so they were really proud, like, "Oh, we're going to have a, a dentist in the family," and blah blah blah. And and I will tell you that when when we grew up, you know, we were middle class. I mean, my dad had a hot dogs restaurant, you know, at Coney Island, but he always made ends meet. And my mom always said to me, "When you become a dentist," she says, "You need to remember." the people that need the work because Dr. Barnes, our family dentist, he was one of the last ones to get paid because we didn't have our money and he let us have a payment plan. Yeah. And so I always remembered my mom saying that. And yeah. so I'm a little bit lenient as far as that goes, you know, and, 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 and we do, you know, maybe we don't get paid for, but, it, but it's fun. And, yeah. and my mom being a kind of a spiritual person would always say, the hands to do this you have to take care of the people and and i i do believe like you dennis i know you that when you're not motivated by money if you just do the right thing you're going to be successful yeah, you're going to be successful you uh you start out at iowa dental school <clears throat> what was it like when you yep. first walked into the school do you have any memories your first uh first yeah. days at the school i sure do uh uh going into the school it was it was started in before it was a new school in where I started in '82, so it was, it was a it was a modern school. And the thing about Iowa was um, you to the clinics right away. And so freshman year, you at the end of your freshman year, you were doing like trophies and doing scaling oh. and root plant. And then That's at the great. beginning of your sophomore year, you actually did operative dentistry. Wow, yeah, like a year ahead of sophomore most year. Yep. We were, and and I still remember we, we started operative as as uh, sophomores, and I remember my first patient was a distal lingual groove on number fourteen, and I was very nervous, and I, I opened it up, and it's got some of that leathery decay, and I'm very timid, and my first dental assistant it looks Taylor like a whirled. looks like you're already in the pope when you see that, right? <laughs> exactly right, and Taylor goes, "Come on, just clean that out, you know that's not that's that's decay, the, the nerve's not right there," and so I cleaned it out, I I did the restoration, and Taylor was you know, really guiding me. Um, great student. Fast forward 25 years, I'm at Utah State Dental Association and and I knew Taylor was practicing in Utah. And I said to the guy who introduced me, I said, is there, gonna, is there a guy named Taylor World that is a member here? He goes, yeah, in fact, he's in the back over there. And I saw him and I recognized him, but he was kind of looking at me like he wanted to come up and talk to me, but I was avoiding him because I wanted to share the story 
uh, of, of Taylor. So when I started, I wanted to thank everybody. I said, and it's a special treat because my I have my first dental assistant here in the audience, and I'm sure people thought it was like, like a female or something. Right, right, right. I said, and his name his name is Taylor World. He's in the back right there, and his smile. He and and we ended up hooking up for lunch and talking. I told this story about how he is my dental assistant. And it was just a gas. It was it's so much fun. Dentistry's been just a fun career. That's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when when you're going through dental school, I mean, we all have different experiences. And I think back in the in the '80s, and certainly before then, uh, dental school was different was different then than I think it is now. At least the way people educate the people, the way we um, people communicate. Um, how was it going through through Iowa? What was what was your undergrad experience like yeah. uh, with the yeah, dental I school? The dental school was was great. I felt we got a great education. And I feel like education today, because I still teach. I've been teaching there now since 1990. The education has changed. When we went through dental school, it was um, mainly porcelain fused to metal and gold. Gold. And amalgam. amalgam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now today, what we have to teach is is so many different materials, so many different techniques, now scanning and implants, that there's not as much time really to incorporate all of that, you know, with dentures, partials, you know. Iowa was very, very clinically oriented. And the way that they did it was after your sophomore year, your junior year, you would go through blocks, and you would have maybe six weeks in pedo, six weeks in, in in operative, or eight weeks. And then you'd go into removal pros, and then fix pros. And then you'd have a block of endo. Then you'd have oral surgery. So all those were subspecialties. You would just spend time in it. And then your senior year in family dentistry is when they put it all together, where you did comprehensive mm-hmm. treatment. And you could do what you wanted to do. And so Iowa back then was all really, really clinically oriented one of the top schools all the time. Um, I still think it's a good school. It's a very big research-based school, mm-hmm. uh, Dow's, Dow's Research and stuff like that. Was it fun? It was difficult. I had a difficult time in dentistry. It wasn't a cakewalk for me. Yeah, same. You know, I say um, I, for, for us back then, we had to learn an inch of material a mile deep. Today, students have to learn a mile material, but they can only learn it an inch deep because there's so much they need to learn. Materials are changing so so frequently. And I think it's, for us, I think we were, we had the advantage that we had multiple reps doing the same procedures over and over and over. So I think we had a fair amount of confidence coming out of school. I think it's difficult for students today because they get so few reps because there's so many different techniques, so many different materials that they got to become familiar with. I think it's uh, way more challenging for students today than when we were in the fact of the amount of information that they have to they have to learn. Um, but that's sort of, I think, the nature nature of practice as well. I mean, dentistry is just so accelerated that every every year there's new materials. And, um, you know, I want to talk about that in a few minutes because I know you're you're really on top of all that stuff. Um, but I think that's a real challenge for students today. And I and I don't envy them. I think it's it's tough to get on top of all that stuff. No. And I and listen, I hired a dentist right out of dental school. I, with all my experience in doing these cases, people, all my buddies were like, man, why are you hiring somebody right out of dental school? Well, he was a patient of mine since the time he was three years old. And and he, had, he has a great personality, great work ethic. But I will tell you that he has done zero um, dentures in my practice. He hasn't done 
maybe one partial. They never did cast gold. They never learned cast gold in dental school. No. And, you know, I think it's a, it's kind of a shame because some of those techniques, I mean, if you can't do a denture, how are you supposed to be a, do an all on X? For sure. You need to understand occlusion by doing dentures. That's where yeah. we learned occlusion. Smile design. So I smile think, design yeah. with doing dentures. Exactly. And so I think there's they're they're a little bit behind the eight ball and and now that you know some of the teaching institutes like Coise and Spear and Panky and stuff are now having to maybe teach some of the things that we learned yep. more in, in dental school. You know, but we I learned when we didn't wear gloves. Yeah. We had just started wearing gloves uh maybe the next year. You remember that, Dennis? So I was in so I'm I graduated in eighty eight, so I'm a couple of years behind you. Yep. And so when we were in preclinic yep. is when we started wearing gloves. And I remember my instructors yep. lo- losing their losing their minds over having to wear gloves. You know, some of these guys have been practicing for 30, 40 years and they they just yep. couldn't get the idea that they were gonna have to start wearing gloves. It was a very interesting time for sure in dentistry. Absolutely. No, no doubt about that. And 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 that's when the AIDS epidemic came out, you know, which was um scary for us. You know, and I think that's so interesting. I have a, a my my eye doctor. He said he's on the Illinois board for. Uh, I always get op- ophthalmologists and optometrists. Ophthalmologists, right? Yeah. Um, he's on the board, and he said, you know, we took the playbook when COVID hit. We took the playbook from dentistry for what you guys did during HIV, and that's just what we applied for when COVID hit. And for us, I mean, you know, we made some subtle changes to what we were doing in in our dental practice, but everything that we were doing for HIV. I think completely protected us for the stuff that was going on during COVID. You know, we added air filtration. We did a couple other things, but um, you know, we we learned some valuable lessons back then that I think have sort of paid off for us still still to this day with infection control. Yeah, stuff. I agree. Totally, totally agree. We were way ahead of the curve there. So when you're getting out of dental school, um, you decided to do a residency instead of jumping into private practice. What was that about? You know, um, I was going to join the Air Force. And I told my buddy, I said, hey, you know, we should join the Air Force together. Yeah, we were both single. Um, and he goes, okay, well, we're going to go meet with uh, Captain Stepnitz. And he goes, and he goes, oh, I don't know if I want to go in the Air Force. I said, but you know what? It's free pizza. They had a Giordano's that was in Iowa City. I said, we'll just go have some pizza. Fair so enough. We, <laughs> we spoken there. like a true student. Free food. That's exactly free food. And I then remember you like visit it was the yesterday. Dalai Lamas so you can get some more free food. <laughs> That's right. And I and I remember like it was yesterday that um we go and we meet with him and he says, Oh, you guys are good students, this and that. And I said, Well, I'd be interested in, in joining if I can get a GPR. But if I have to go in active and not have a GPR, then I'm not really interested. He goes, Well, we goes, you can apply for one and you know, we'll see what can happen. Well, I applied, Dan applied, neither one of us got the GPR in in the Air Force, but Dan decided to go in the Air Force and he stayed three years in the Air Force. I decided not to go in the Air Force. And the, the, the director of the AEGD program said, hey, we would love to have you stay here and do the AEGD program. Well, I remember at that time, uh, the pay was sixteen thousand dollars. It made seventeen you know? in my I, residency. <laughs> yeah, I made sixteen thousand. I said, "I'll take it," and so I stayed. and And that was a great year. That was a fabulous AEGD residency because they let us do 
what we wanted to do. If you wanted to do endo, you could do more endo. You wanted to do surgery, you could do that. It was a great transition year for me. Did you find, uh, I mean, for me, I did a, I did a GPR because I felt like I needed more time connecting the pieces, understanding more the relationship between, you know, restorative dentistry and ortho and perio and trying to get all that stuff sort of figured out how all that sort of linked together. Uh, my residency didn't help me with that because it was a GPR, so it was more hospital-based, but it did feel good to get a lot more reps under, and Michigan is less clinical than like Iowa, Detroit, some of the other schools mm -hmm. in the Midwest. And so I felt like I needed to get more reps in. What were you looking for? Why did you feel like you needed to do a residency? What was in it for you? You know what? I felt like I was good. And, and from a clinical standpoint, I had done a lot of my requirements early, this and that. But <clears throat> didn't really have and or, you know, there was a, a dentist in Des Moines that I really thought about wanting to go with. And he wasn't really ready for me to be an associate. Because you ought to do something else for a year. Maybe perhaps it can work out that, you know, when you get done, he goes, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but do it. So I mainly that for the reps, like you said, and, and I wanted to get really the, some of the directors were, were prosthodontists and I wanted to learn more, you know, some of the removable and, and, uh, comprehensive, uh, cases. So I got a lot more, um, training and, uh, at that time, porcelain veneers for me, Bob Nixon, who was one of my guys. You know, yeah, so that's, got me going. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about that because uh, that's when you first saw Bob, right? Um, yeah. Present. So, for those who don't yeah. know, Bob Nixon was one of the pioneers in porcelain veneers. So, Mark Friedman, Bob, Bob Nixon, there were several others, but Bob was really on the cutting edge. And so, talk about. Um, how how Bob came into your life, and for those who he's he's since passed, but he was really influential in sort of prep design and so many other concepts with porcelain veneers. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, so during my residency, I was still in my residency at that time, and the director of my residency um, said, you know, continuing education is super important. Is there some courses that you want to take? You know, let me know. And 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 the reason why I'm a member of the Chicago Dental Society. And I haven't missed a Chicago midwinter meeting since 1986. I've gone every year since 1986, whether I spoke or was uh, just a participant. Now, he sent us to the midwinter, so that's why I went. But then Brown Dental Lab in Davenport, Iowa, was having a Beverly Hills dentist, Bob Nixon, Dr. Robert L. Nixon, was putting on a veneer course. So he goes, I'm going to send you there to, to learn how to do veneers because nobody was doing porcelain veneers at the school at that time. And so me there to learn from Bob Nixon. And when I came back, um, the Center for uh, Clinical Studies was doing some porcelain um, studies, uh, Jerry Dennehy and, and, and Daniel Chan. And they were doing and Mark Jensen, um, they were doing clinical studies on ceramics. And they said, hey, find a case. And we'll do some porcelain veneers. So I remember doing my first case in 1986, Dennis. I had never done a porcelain veneer case. And I ended up doing this case live. At oh, my the God. Five, five, live in front of 150 dentists. And, oh and, I, and listen, I'm, I, I'm a recent grad. And let me tell you what. I'm in Cedar Rapids at the Five Season Center. They have a dental chair set up. The, the, the patient was a hygienist. And I, and I had prepped the teeth already and the veneers were made. Now I'm going to show them how to put the veneers on. So I tried the veneers on, all the veneers fit. I put them on the tray. 
my dental assistant puts the air water syringe on number 10 and breaks it. (laughs) (laughs) So I had never even done a temporary. We didn't temporize back then, Dennis. When we (sighs) prepped, we didn't even use anesthetic. You know, we wanted to know where the, we want to know where the enamel enamel was. Yeah, we hadn't seen enamel. And and when I remember what you said, Mark Mark Friedman and Bob Nixon, they were the gurus. And their work today is standing the test of time. Oh, yeah, right. Their their prep design, staying minimal prep in enamel. And people say, do you like minimal prep veneers or no prep veneers? I said, well, I'm not a fan of of, uh, prepless veneers, really. I'm a fan of prep less veneers you know not prepless so i i did those veneers live and i ended up cutting them off a week later at the school because because i didn't like them oh i had to do it live yeah oh my god i can't even imagine i like i wouldn't do that today i'm sorry you (laughs) no no, nothing could convince me to try and do that and with the bright lights and the the light sensitivity of our materials oh my god i can't imagine the sweat pouring off my head landing in the patient's face as i'm trying to do something (laughs) like that god bless you boy yes that was my first start some big big kahunas there that's a that's a way to start out (laughs) well i was Um, too naive probably well, yeah, you don't know what you don't know, right? That's right. Yeah. So that sort of led you to your um, connection with with Buddy Mopper, which is how you and I, how yep. I got together, right? So talk about sort of your your relationship with with Bob Nixon, how that sort of developed, and how, yep. you know, I think this is an interesting thing, Bob, because we've talked about this before. Um, talk to me about how you connected with Bob Nixon, because I think it's important that. Um, other dentists hear this because I think this is important. If you want to, um, if you want to connect with others and stuff, so talk yep. talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll talk about Bob first, and then we'll get to Buddy next. But Bob Nixon. So I took this course with Bob Nixon, and Bob was a great teacher. Bob was a fantastic mentor. If you had questions, Bob Nixon was going to answer it. He's going to do the best he could. Bob obviously, you know, was in. Hills worked with Da Vinci Dental Studios, and and by trade, he was an endodontist and turned into being a cosmetic dentist. He started out as an endodontist for over 10 years in Delaware and then moved on to to be a um, work with Bob Ibsen at uh, Denmat. He was one of the Denmat guys originally, and then he went to Da Vinci, but he took a liking to me. And so after that course, I kept in touch with him and I would take more courses over the the next few years, but that relationship led me to Buddy Mopper. And Bob Nixon had said, hey, there's a dentist, Buddy Mopper, who's close by you. He's doing composite resin. Well, Buddy Mopper comes to Iowa to lecture at the state dental meeting, and it was 1990. And I was out of school for four years. Um, I had been doing some table clinics at the state meeting. And I remember my first table clinic uh, was called Etched Porcelain Restorations. They work, and it was nineteen. <laughs> it was nineteen eighty-seven, and I had this board talking about maintaining the enamel and bonding them on it. And at that time, a lot of the prosthodontists were saying you can't bond that stuff on. You got to use zinc phosphate cement and do crowns, you know, because veneers were not really, um, you know, mainstream at that time. 
Yeah, I don't think so, people realize that, that force and veneers didn't come out until the late 80s and didn't become popularized for to the mid 90s, um, maybe towards the yep. end of the 90s. So when we started our career, I mean, force and veneers were not were not an option when I was starting. I didn't even know about force and veneers back then. Yeah, you know, obviously the first thing was written by Calamita and Horn, Calamita and Horn back in the early 80s. But nobody was really doing mainstream, like you said, until late 80s, 90s. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Polydorn, one of my mentors, um, he said, hey, you're doing these veneers. You ought to do a table clinic. So I did a table clinic at the And I, I got an honors clinic, so they invited me back the next year. Well, Buddy Mopper was lecturing. And I went up to Buddy Mopper and I said, hey, I'm Bob Marges. And Bob Nixon had told me about you. Uh, I grew up in Sioux City. He goes, Sioux City? He says, I grew up in Correctionville, which was 18 miles Sioux City. I don't even know if you know this story, Dennis. No, I don't. But he grew, up in, he, grew, he grew up in Correctionville. And he says to me, Sioux City, he goes, yeah, what do your parents do? I said, well, my parents run the Coney Island restaurants in Sioux City, Iowa. He goes, what? The Coney Island restaurants? He goes, when I would take my Hebrew lessons, he would take his Hebrew lessons. He'd drive the bus, get on a bus from Correctionville to Sioux City, and he would always stop at the Coney Island. That's hilarious. That's crazy, <laughs> it's right? It's hilarious. Yeah. So my grandfather, who he knew because he would go in there all the time, and my grandfather, he would he remembered my grandpa. My grandpa was tall, and he always had a toothpick in his mouth because he always smoked cigars, and he'd want to break the, the, the cigar, and he'd ah, have a toothpick. Yeah. And and Bud and Buddy would say, "Oh my God, I, I used to have the hot dogs all the time. Every week when I go, we'd stop at the Coney because it was a few blocks from the Jewish community center." Right. So, right. So, Lynn, so Buddy took a liking to me. He was teaching classes, and he invited me to come to Chicago, you know, to at the to to take some classes from him. So fast forward, maybe. After that, I think it was a year or two after that that I took my first course from him on composites, and and the center wasn't open, but they were teaching it in the basement. Right. Four hundred They had they it was like a like a room, yep. and they had all the equipment there. And Corky was teaching with him, and so I was in his first class with Brian Vense. Ah, Vense and I, ben, yeah, Vense and I, great dentist. We took Buddy's first course. And I remember taking the course, and Dennis, you know, buddy, you take a look at my, your model. You go, oh, come on, look at this lining, or look <laughs> at this, or look at that. Nothing I did was any good. Yeah. And so uh, I left there, kind of a little bit dejected, but but not really, because I, I had learned. But I ended up taking the course again about a year later when they were up in the in the actual teaching center. So I ended up taking Buddy's class twice. And then by then I was learning a little bit and, you know, Buddy was, was giving people a little bit of a start and, um, you know, he took a liking to me. I think that's important for when, when you're going through this, I think there's a sense, there can be, there can be a sense that you take a class once and that you learn everything you need to know and that you're ready to roll. And I've taken Buddy's class, I don't know how many times, Newton's class, Corky's classes, uh, I, for me, I have to, I have to learn. I have to apply what I can, get some more feedback, take the course again, get some more feedback. And that's how I built my skills is just, you know, being, being willing to hear the negative 
um, and being able to take just one step at a time and try to get a little bit better each time. But I think there's a false sense that you can learn everything, unless you're remarkable, but that's certainly not me um, in learning. I think it takes time to be able to yeah. hear the information and then adapt the information and then be able to clinically be able to produce it. So have some thick skin, be open to getting criticism and welcome the criticism and understand that you have. I think it's important to rehear the information and re redo these workshops. I think that's critical. Hey, dental online trainers, just to let you know, this is actually a two-part interview with Dr. Bob Margis. If you enjoyed the first part of this conversation, then please join us in just a couple of weeks for the second part of this interview to drop. Check us out on YouTube or wherever you get your favorite podcast. And again, thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Dennis Hartlieb, yours for better dentistry. Well, thanks so much for listening or viewing our Surecast today. If you enjoy this and you want to get more information from Dental Online Training, then check us out at dothandson.com. That's one word, dothandson.com. Now, as a reminder, DOT has so many great opportunities for your learning. We have our Wine and Unwind webinars, where we engage real-time with our speakers and our viewers. During these live webinars, we bring in leaders throughout the dental industry to help keep you up to date on materials, issues, and techniques that affect you and your practice. We also have our monthly morning coffee and donut mentorship sessions, where we review cases and issues with our participants and what's going on with their practices. We recently launched our DOT study club session, where our DOT members present treatment cases. We do lit reviews and our members provide pearls they found in their practice to help us all bring greater treatment to our patients. Hey, if you love doing hands-on workshops, you're gonna love our live virtual workshops where our dental online trainers perform the same techniques that I'm doing with kits that we have shipped to them from the comfort of their own home or their office. DOT was the first to offer virtual hands-on learning and our members just simply love these courses. And finally, we have an endless selection of our on-demand pre-recorded hands-on technique courses to help you improve the clinical dentistry that you provide for your patients. So check us out on Instagram, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts at Dental Online Training. And you can follow me at HeartleabDDS if you'd like to follow on Instagram. And hey, be sure to share this with your friends and colleagues who you think might benefit from this sharecast. And if you don't mind, leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed our conversations. This podcast is edited by Luna Clark and includes original music by Chris Peterson. Again, thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Dennis Hartlieb, yours for better dentistry. <music>